We're back. We're live. We're live. I wonder who's listening with us. Who knows? Who? We have somebody. Somebody's Can you listening. see people are listening? Yeah. I don't know who they are. Um, it just says... Welcome, whoever you are. It just says one has entered the room. Yeah. We're in here with other people. This is really cool. We're on a live show. Student ministry for parents. How are you feeling, Susan? Woo-hoo. I feel great, except for when I talk, the music disappears for me. Oh, look, they text Which is us. my favorite part, you know? Yeah. Oh, look, people are texting us right now. This is really cool. I wish people could see my screen, um, but they can't. Like what people... you finding out? What? Uh, the Porter's What are you here. finding out? The Porter said they're here. Hello. What's up, Porters? Hey. Yeah. yeah. We're glad you're with us. Uh, we're glad everybody's with us. This is, this is great. Um, so, so you're doing well? Managing, Susan. Oh, me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Forget we're I live. Even the listeners. Yeah. No. Welcome to our um, normal podcast recordings where um, we space out a lot, and then you don't get the, those pieces because we edit them out. Yeah, John was just saying this is unedited, and I said I'm sure most of the editing is because I laugh so much. <laughs> no, that's like the best part of our podcast is like four minutes. I wish I could take the the blips, and I could do this take the blips of all your laughter and have that be our intro music. And our outro music. <laughs> That'd be so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is our first ever live show and we are learning along the way and we're glad that you guys are with us and are taking a risk with technology. Um, I found myself very, very frustrated with it this morning because it just kept doing what I didn't want it to do. So I kind of had to allow it to kind of take control of my life and, um, I had to give it a whole hour of dedication, but here we are, nonetheless, um, our first ever live show. John, can I ask you a quick question that yeah. is not going to be helpful for everyone listening, but some a parent just texted me and said, do you have to create a login to access the podcast? She's trying to go as a guest, Ooh. but it's not letting her. Yeah, I think you do have to do a login. Um, that would be most helpful. Um, when we did our test run, that was, it was definitely prompted, but... Um, you do have to cool. do a login. That's what Smalls yeah. said. I, okay. love, I love that that is your login, Smalls. Um, <laughs> you do have to do a login, and I apologize for that. I wish that wasn't the case, um, and I looked for a long time to find a way to do a live podcast without having to download an app or create a login. I just wanted to click a link, uh, but sadly, that's um, what's reserved for radio, I guess, um, and why people pay big money for the, the big radio waves. And podcasting is generally free, which I also appreciate. We're headed there, though. We're headed. Where are we headed? Live radio. Live radio. Yeah, yes. we're going live. Um, <laughs> 99.2. Can you do that? Take, it's like the price is right where you take the one above. Like Joy FM. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just want to edge them out just slightly. Um, make sure they don't win the car. Um, (laughs) yeah, so we're here to talk about, um, teenagers and, well, kind of teenagers, but also how our parents are doing with teenagers in their home. Um, and we want to address kind of three, three things, um, our, what is our experience, both Susan and I, and what we're hearing from our other youth leaders with teenagers in this time. And next, what can we learn from teenagers during this time, um, or what we can assume, um, and how we can prepare for re-entry into normal life with teenagers. And um, this is not just for uh, Susan and I to kind of just give you a bunch of content and stuff to read, but the whole point of doing this live is to create a little bit more connectivity, but also to glean from y'all's wisdom um, in a live setting, because y'all are are quickly, quickly learning way more about teenagers than we ever have, because... <laughs> Um, you're on lockdown with them 24-7, and um, which has made me think about the, the time that I've had to be, the closest time I've had to be in quarantine with a teenager. Um, and I had to think long and hard about um, what is the closest thing I've come to quarantine with teenagers. Susan, mm. anything come to your mind when you think about that? Oh gosh, recently I was thinking the only time I would probably be missions trips. And then for me, like camp life. Yeah. 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 I thought about the same type of thing, 
where like you're stuck on the plane um, for, <laughs> yeah, for like, 18 hours ever, but you're also quarantined with like all these other strangers. And so like the, the, the best people to be with are the only people that, you know, um, right. and that's like, that's been like kind of a positive experience. I had like one story where I was legitimately quarantined and stuck with teenagers for like 48 hours. There was no escape. There was nowhere to go. And what happened? Uh, well, we got, this was when I was coaching at Westminster and we got rain. We were at cross country camp and we were staying um, on some guy's farm. Oh, I have remember I told, you Have I told you the story? Yes. Yeah. So we're staying on this guy's farm yes. and it rained overnight. <laughs> and when it rained, all the creek and river around us um, created a moat. And we got there on a low water bridge and the, wa- and the bridge um, washed away. So we had no way to get off the property. And terrifying. Yeah, it was terrifying. So I had like 15 high school boys <laughs> and it was me and the other coach and this guy named Mo who owned the property. <laughs> of course. He's, uh, to describe Mo for you, he was the type of guy who thought that um, old cars that didn't run would make good lawn art. Okay. <laughs> so that gives you I a know little, I know a lot of Mo's. Yeah, there's I'm, a, you know. Yeah, if you spent any time um, in rural America, there's <laughs> there's a handful of them out there. Um, so Mo, he was a delightful man, but he was just kind of a, a little eccentric, and he lived in an RV on the property. And um, within those 48 hours, we ran out of food, we ran out of water, and um, the only thing, actually the only thing we had left to eat was um, we had 60 Snickers bars. And it, it got really um, testy with, like, high school boys who were also training at a really high-intensity level. Um, so everybody was super hungry, but we had to go on rations. And then we had to start collecting rainwater to make sure we had enough Goodness. water. <laughs> yeah, it got, like, really, really bad. Um, to Wait, the, you were only there, like, two days, right? Yeah, but the whole thing, we were talking <laughs> to Mo. Mo was, we were like, Mo, has this ever happened before? What did you do? And he's like, oh, this happened last year about this time we're like that would have been a good thing to know before you invited all of us (laughs) on your property and he said i was i was here for um (laughs) so you had to eat the students in the end to survive yes that's the end of the story cut scene um that's it there are no more students at westminster cross country Uh, (laughs) um no so mo said he was stuck there for like seven or eight days and he just camped out in his RV the whole time. And we're like, what? Sounds we, right. We can't do that. Um, we are liable for these minors that we need to take care of. And so me and the other coach were trying to find ways off the property that um, were safe. And I tried to swim across, <laughs> I tried to swim across the river and I quickly got, got like swept down. And I was like, that's oh not, that's my not goodness. our plan. And then eventually, like, over the next day, the water receded just enough. And we were in Chess Press's uh, uh, church van, which they lent us. And um, I'm like, I think the water's low enough where we can drive across the creek. And sure enough, we load all the boys in. We load all our stuff in. um, And we drive across, and, like, the car is, like, drifting, or the van. Mm -mm. It's like a fucking I do not feel good about this. It's, like, drifting, and I gun gun it, (laughs) and we get across. Everybody's screaming, but the whole whole thing ended up okay. We had to call these parents. It was a long drive home (laughs) Yeah, at, like, midnight saying, hey, we're coming home early from camp. I thought for sure I was getting fired, Um, but luckily um, (laughs) – it was not my, it was not my property. It, I was also very new on staff at Westminster, um, and I was heavily relying on um, the the head coach and um, <laughs> s- assuming that this was going to work well. Um, and we all felt really bad. And that was like the closest thing to quarantine that I've ever had with teenagers. So that was really that was sc- traumatic. <laughs> it was traumatic. Um, we made shirts that said "survivalist" on it, and um, <laughs> we did have a lot of great memories. It really bonded the team, but. That was the closest mm. I had to, to quarantine with students, and it was really scary, and it was really hard, and things escalated very quickly. Obviously, mm. water was at a shortage, food was at a shortage, um, and there were multiple, multiple teenagers all in one place who were very hungry and very, I mean, it was midsummer, so it was really hot. Um, and there was Mo. And there was Mo, <laughs> of course, yeah. 
There was one kid who brought something called a live straw where you stick the straw in any water and you can drink any water through it and get like no parasites or anything. You should why, why did they have that? I don't them? know. Um, I mean, that came in really handy. Yeah. The wonders of <laughs> our, our job, Susan, working with teenagers, <laughs> there's just some things you just don't question. You're just like, I, I'm not sure why he brought it, but praise the Lord that he did. Um, because um, that was that was a lifeline for at least him. Um, you can only get like drops of water at a time, so it wasn't super helpful. <laughs> so, uh, parents, I'm feeling a slight empathy with you of going mm-hmm. through this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so they're asking, uh, don't you have one of those in your purse, Susan? A, a, life straw. <laughs> a life straw. Yeah. I'm considering it now. It yeah. sounds like I need to. Yeah. Um, I've got like 40 EpiPens that people have left behind over the years, <laughs> which, yeah, being in this quarantine, Micah, our, you know, one and a half year old had, um, found one of the EpiPens that was left in our basement and I've never like had to use them and he <gasps> oh, opened it goodness. up and I, I'm like, I think that's just like straight adrenaline, isn't it? When you like pump it yeah, in you. it's like, I, <laughs> <laughs> that cannot be good for a baby. So we've done a huge clean of the house and found several EpiPens. Uh, so if anybody n- has lost oh theirs and are wondering <laughs> where they are, uh, we have a couple at the youth house that you can check out and um, just take them away from us because we don't need them. And we would much rather ha- them be in the hands of you guys. So, um, so yeah, I'm feeling a little bit empathy, but not on the same level. This has been long-term quarantine. We're over a month into this. And with an indefinite, um, with no kind of end in sight, we have like speculations, Mm. but um, yeah, we are just feeling for you guys. We hope that it's been sweet. We hope that it's been good in some ways, but we know that that has not come without some strife and some difficulty. And that's why we wanted to create this live podcast for you guys to kind of hear how we're experiencing your teenagers. Um, Mm -hmm. But also at some point during the show, allow for y'all to um, share your experience and insight that we can learn from you. Uh, This has been um, really, really interesting to just have a lot of conversations (coughs) and lack thereof with some of the teenagers. Um, So we're, we're ready for some insight, but I first want to start Susan with a, um, an article that I read and it talked, the title was The Reason Zoom Calls Drain Your Energy. So I don't know if you've had a lot of Zoom calls, Susan, but um, I've had a handful. And every time I prepare to get on a Zoom call, I'm exhausted. Um, mm-hmm. And when I leave a Zoom call, I'm mostly exhausted. Part of it of my extrovertedness, I get some energy from that. But like the actual call itself is draining. So I immediately opened the link. It was a BBC article. Um, that cites a couple of professors. One person, I don't know how to pronounce their name, G- Gian Piero. Gian Piero. Yeah, professor <laughs> at NC, um, which I think is a French business school. I don't know. Um, I had to look it up, to be honest. I was going to say, did you make that uh, up? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it I, just sounds like he's a professor at a French business um, school. He's so. a really smart guy <laughs> at a non-American university. Uh, and then Marissa, <laughs> Marissa Scheffler a professor at Clemson. Um, they are, uh, they've been kind of studying, like they've been studying kind of the human nature um, of interacting with one another. And they've been kind of studying this time and how it's been going for, for people. And they, they talk about this theme called uh, Zoom fatigue. And they quote, they, I take this quote from them, that our minds are together when our bodies feel like we're not. <coughs> and I think that's such an interesting mm-hmm. to think about um, when we're engaging with teenagers, and we'll talk about it in a minute, um, but they say that it's harder to relax in conversation, and then that it, because it's harder to process nonverbals. So it puts another variable in front of the communication. Uh, communication is already really hard between people, um, and then when you throw a screen um, as kind of like that wall or that barrier in between them, it becomes another level that's more difficult, and it removes kind of that um, nonverbal communication. So I read that uh, thinking about teenagers and thinking like it's already hard to communicate with teenagers in, in and of itself. And so when you throw in another uh, thing, 
um, it's really, it's kind of put a little light to why it's been more of a struggle to connect with teenagers on the Zoom realm. Um, my, my little kids, my, my five, three, one and a half year old love it because it's super novel to them. Um, to be on screen, you know, I just got out of Zooming with um, my nephew who's six years old and I mean, he could be on there all day. Um, and so I thought about this Zoom fatigue. Our minds are together when our bodies feel like we're not. I feel like that's an inverted um, normal teenager. Our, our bodies are together, <laughs> but our minds are not. That's so true. You think that? Yes. Uh, yeah. I walked away thinking like, okay, so if you take um, a normal teenager, our bodies are together, um, but our minds are not. And then you also... Um, we have to do a quick math here. If our, our minds are together when our bodies feel like we're not, that sounds just like a confused person, um, like mm-hmm. to the nth degree, right? So I took that quote and I kind of laid it over the top of three levels of engagement we've had with teenagers um, during this time. Um, there are three main ones. There's the physical presence, the, the digital presence, which would, I would call video, face chats, that type of stuff, Zoom, FaceTime, Google Duo, whatever you want to use. Um, then there's phone calls and texts. Um, and I really thought about the physical presence, which there are two ways that it's been occurring during this time, which are the consistent ones, um, which you all as parents are, are having, um, which it has probably been, um, well, it's definitely more physical presence you've had with your, your teenager than you've ever had. Um, and from a large scale, what we're hearing from your teenagers, um, this is definitely, I'm going to um, average this out. This isn't everybody. Um, but teenagers are probably having more positive experiences with their families because it's the only consistent physical experience they're having. Um, and I think this is a good thing. Um, what do you think about that, Susan? I mean, tell me if I'm getting ahead of you, but... I think that's been one of the most encouraging things of my D group right now, just hearing from them and hearing that time with their family has been really sweet and not, not that I, I I was surprised and I wasn't surprised because it's like, I kind of assumed a lot of them would be kind of what you're saying, like checked out in a lot of different ways on their phone or just FaceTime with their friends all the time or just locked in their room or, you know, however they spend time. But that has been overwhelmingly the message I've heard of like, I'm just really enjoying time with my family and really enjoying eating dinner with them and just having everybody home. And obviously not everybody is hanging out all day long, but just having someone in the house all the time is a big deal. Like the, it's just been really positive, which is really encouraging to me from our seat, from our job. Yeah. I think, I think it all started like really awkward and people not knowing what to do with this new type of interaction with our families. Um, not that it was bad, but it's just a new way uh, that our busy schedules have been shut down, and the only people we can see on a consistent basis are our family. And in, immediately, uh, the teenagers were, um, I, w- I wouldn't say voicing frustration, um, but they were definitely, you know, a little bit put off um, by family members and like, oh, this is so annoying or whatever. And as this has gone on and the teenagers have gotten used to it, they're actually starting to voice a lot of um, joy um, from being at home and a lot of joy of having more face-to-face time with mom and dad. Um, sibling sibling interaction is uh, <laughs> mas, mas menos and um, <laughs> and it just comes with each day, but there's always going to be that with siblings. Um but on a large scale, we're incredibly encouraged by the, the positive outcome from that. Um, and I, I really think that it, it is because um, for the first time in a long time, they're seeing y'all um, really consistently um, and in the same light. And y'all are having a struggle in the, of the same thing. That really, if you think about like successful teams or programs, um, like sports teams or whatever, um, it's usually those teams that have to persevere through something. And the fact that you all as a family have to persevere through this together, it's something that's going to uni- mm-hmm. unite y'all on a way that um, you wouldn't be able to experience otherwise. Um, so I'm, I'm praising the Lord for that. I think that 
that is something that the Lord is making for his good, and he's turning this for that. Um, we also, I do want to recognize that that's not the case for all of our families or mm-hmm. all the people um, with teenagers. There's definitely, this may bring up <coughs> a lot more strife, um, and that this may become more difficult. Um, and that has got to be extremely, extremely hard. Um, but I will say that it is... Um, an opportunity to confront um, the conflicts that may be in a family um, head-on, um, and that definitely comes with strife and difficult conversations, but there's, it's, it's like that, that old um, philosophy, like, don't go to bed mad or, or whatever, um, and you really can't because you're, you're stuck in the same place. Um, so well, and I've thought about, too, like, this is also such a gift of time because I think, I mean, you know, we have toddlers and <laughs> there's just a lot of different interactions all day long that could go any very, <laughs> any kind of way. Um, but I think about when life is so busy, either you want moments to be magical or like a really good, you want the conversation to be really good or you want to have the perfect response. Maybe I'm the only one like this, but you know, it's like, you're, you're weighing things relationally of like, I don't want to get into this right now. Like we've had a crazy day. Like I can only imagine as my kids get older, weighing those things. But like the gift of time is I have time in the day to have a bad interaction and a good interaction. And like you said, like go to bed, like this was a good, this was a normal good day. Like we're not all going to have good days and it's not always going to be perfect, but like the sweetness of the time together that like, it's it's actually more normal than we realize to be able to have this much relational time to work things out. Like that's just such a gift yeah. to be able to do that instead of the rat race that we normally are in where it's yeah. like, I don't even want to talk to you about X, Y, Z because it could go wrong. Or, yeah. you know, I mean, I feel that even with my six-year-old of like, he's had a long day at school. He's adjusting to kindergarten. I probably should talk to him about this discipline situation, but he's tired. I'm going to give him grace. It's like, like follow that on and on and on and on. And just realizing like what a gift of relational time that there's no, I mean, sometimes it's terrifying. There's no expiration date on this, but um, there's a sweetness there that I think is really hopefully going to be something we look back on as like, wow, this was the Lord's provision at this really weird crossroad in life. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, there have been a lot of great things to think about that have happened um, in this. Um, and I, I think this is one of the positive ones for you guys at home. It's a great opportunity to overcome something together, um, and it's also a great time to have face-to-face. Uh, I do want to talk about the inconsistent uh, physical presences that we have um, with teenagers that I've experienced. Um, and like from my own seat, I feel like, so an inconsistent physical presence would, like, you come across somebody in public that you're like, oh, like, hey, um, I wasn't expecting to see you. Or, like, um, you just see them offhandedly, like, for, for some, some reason. Um, and I'll only say this, is that uh, obviously teenagers can be awkward, um, but so can youth leaders because uh, we yes. work with teenagers. <laughs> we're, we're partially in that world. Um, that's where our brains are at. Uh, but I would say they're they're more awkward than normal, and that's been kind of the the physical presence experience that I've had. Um, uh, largely, I haven't had like a million, um, but it I think it's just because there's just not much to say or much to talk about. Um, normally, when we have like one-on-one meetings with students or whatever, uh, usually there's something huge going on in their life that they want to talk about, and the fact that we're we're coming up to them. And they've been spending all this time with their family. And you would expect all this drama to come out that they just want to spill out. Uh, they um, are, don't have anything. And I'm like, that's actually a really good thing. It's a really awkward interaction because there's, you know, what have you been doing? Oh, the same thing that you've been doing. <laughs> all, nothing. All week. Oh, yeah, me too. I've got nothing to happen. Um, like yesterday, like my biggest... My biggest story of the week is that I ran over the spray paint with the lawnmower <laughs> accidentally. Um, and there's, there's orange paint all over the sidewalk in front of the youth house. Um, that's probably the only, you know, different thing that's happened in the past week. So there's not much to talk about. 
but when we're we're interacting with these teenagers on a very inconsistent basis in the physical presence um they don't have any drama to report uh which is huge as you know susan and parents that drama is full and loaded um in the teenage years so they're either hiding it really really well um or they don't know how to process it yet or um, there really isn't any um, the fact that we're just not getting a ton of it um, has been a good sign. It's let the kind of like the drama levels drop and take a break and find rest. So again, I think that's been um, outside experiencing more awkward this than normal. Um, there's that I take away from that uh, as a positive experience. So, um, all right. So that's kind of our first section. That's kind of the the three main interactions. And after each section, I want to invite you guys as parents to call in. If you don't know how to do a call-in, we don't really either um, because all this technology is new to us. But if you're in the app, that means you can click, like, the call-in button. I guess it's there. Um, I'm looking at a different screen than y'all. But if you have um, any thoughts or experiences that you want to share at any given time, um, we want to open up the, the, the door for y'all to, to call in and to share your experience. Don't feel like you have to. We can keep talking. We have tons of stuff we want to keep talking about. But... Um, I want to go ahead and open that door now. If you have anything that we've talked about already uh, that you want to um, bring up your thoughts or your questions or your insight, um, now's a good time. Um, if not, we're going to keep on pressing forward with a little more, um, little more content that we've prepared for y'all. So, um, so Susan, the, the second stage of communication has been digital presence, which I would say has been largely... Um, which, again, digital presence is different than phone calls and text. So digital presence is like you're having face-to-face -face interaction, but through, like, your phone or your computer. So um, <laughs> we've experienced Zoom fatigue, which we talked about earlier, digital fatigue. Um, and I've experienced uh, on this level um, largely with students is they're either showing up or skipping out. And when I say showing up, um, conversation is very minimal it feels like if you don't have a prepared thing to talk about conversation doesn't flow as mm -hmm. normally i will say yeah. however um shout out to my d group last night we had a blast last night it was super fun and it felt really easy um that has not always been the case but um i don't know how you have felt about digital presence for for your time with students susan or if you feel like you can validate that um, of showing mm -hmm. up or skipping out? What, what, do you, what are you thinking? Yeah, I agree. I think as far as our experience has been, it's been really sweet because one thing I, <laughs> I told John, I kind of skimmed that article. I had also found that article about the Zoom fatigue. Um, but one thing that it points out and one thing that I've realized too that has really been helpful for girls is we can't all talk at the same time. <laughs> And I think girls just have a hard time with that. When we all get together, everyone's really excited and nobody's really listening to each other. Everybody wants to share their story or, you know, tell you something, um, which is really fun. But sometimes it's hard to focus on one person. And with Zoom, if I'm sure at this point, I'm sure everyone listening to this has been on some kind of Zoom call, FaceTime call, whatever. And one of the things that's most frustrating is if anybody talks at the same time, it like cancels it out. And so I learned early on with our D group, we just kind of have to go around one by one, which is frustrating because um, kind of like what you talked about earlier, like not being physically present together, there's nuances with body language, with being in the same room that you get to experience. But when you're digital, it's like if somebody interrupts you, the whole conversation shuts down. And so we've had to adapt to that. And it's actually been really sweet because we can focus on one person and be like, hey, what is going on with you? It is your time to talk. No one else is talking. And so in some ways, that's been really sweet. That's been a really positive part of it. But yes, I agree that I think... Um, I think people are hungry, so hungry for interaction, but it's like, I, I'm kind of just sitting here because um, I don't know how to engage really. Yeah, I think, I think you hit mm -hmm. it right on the head. Um, it's really, really hard to have multiple conversations. And if you've ever been in a room with um, high schoolers um, or especially, Susan, high school girls, um, girls <laughs> are generally more talkative than guys. 
so our, we've been kind of analyzing and processing how each D group has been going and the girl ones function a little bit different than the guy ones, as you can imagine. Um, <laughs> but largely there's a lot of conversations that want to happen at the same time. And I even said this last night, like everybody was super chatty and uh, I said something and nobody heard it uh, because everybody was talking at the same time that I wish there were ways to do breakouts on Zoom, like really easy ways to do breakouts rather than creating a separate meeting. Like say, hey, I want to have a side conversation with you. Um, let's do this. Mm -hmm. But the, the fact that you can't have multiple conversations, I, I've made a note, and you said it, Susan, is that we, this is incredible practice for teenagers and it's something that they should already be learning um, in social settings at this stage of life. And, and, and that really is the fact of being able to listen well uh, to somebody when they're talking. So a teenager, as we've talked on this podcast uh, many times in their brain development, they have a really hard time seeing outside themselves um, really, really well um, because so much of what's going on um, is just around their development and what's going on in their life and those <coughs> things. Um, empathy is definitely a growing area for them. And mm -hmm. what this is doing is it's, it's almost like a tool for these teenagers to really practice um, intentional listening. Obviously, there are a lot of distractions that they can engage in. Um, if they're on a Zoom call. <laughs> Those backgrounds. Um, it's really, uh, yeah, that you have the virtual backgrounds, <laughs> uh, which I definitely participate in. Um, <laughs> there, but it's also like you can also hop over on a different tab and they could be doing something and you have no idea. As long as they keep their eyes generally towards the screen, you don't have any idea what they're doing outside of that. Um, and so distraction is a little more um, easy to be hidden. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that whole piece. Uh, but they're also coming um, to uh, these Zoom meetings exhausted. I can only imagine, every time I've talked to a student like one-on-one, -on -one, I'm like, hey, how's school going? And um, they're like, you know, it's just more of the same, watching videos, reading, just checking the boxes, whatever. And so when we have these, like, meetings or I do a phone call late at night, um, it's, uh, they're just exhausted and they, um, it's just another, another thing to look at the screen. And that if you've watched any of our, like, student ministry mm -hmm. stuff, we're trying to adjust accordingly for that to make sure that um, we only utilize so much screen time because we know that they're coming into the end of their week after watching who knows how many videos for school. And then also while they're distracting themselves from school, they're probably watching YouTube videos. Um, and so we don't necessarily want to feed into that, but provide something um, to the side of that. And so we're working on that and we're trying to find ways to do that really, really well. Um, but the, the other thing that I read in the article, which was really interesting, is that a lot of the students that aren't participating, let's say in like our Zoom meetings or our D groups or, or whatever, or just kind of skipping out. Um, it's not because they don't want to be there. It's because um, it's really hard to engage um, on the same platform that you're doing everything else. So they mm, they have this kind of so true. they're working on this theory that the <coughs> reason why it's weird to run into your teacher um, in the grocery store <laughs> um, is because you don't you don't see them in that venue. Um, it it it. it throws you off and it, you don't know what to do about it. You don't know what to think about it. So as a teenager, when every interaction is on the same platform, um, or even as an adult, I deal with this like Zoom fatigue myself. Um, it's exhausting trying to think. You have no way to differentiate. Um, you're doing all your Zoom calls on the computer or on your phone, usually in the same room. Um, so it just feels like you're just spinning the wheels just constantly. It might be good conversation. It might be good interaction. You might have great um, learning moments, but it, you're just spinning the wheel and just having the same experiences over and over again. So that's my theory as why, like, uh, some students will just skip out because they're like, I just need to do something, whatever it is, completely different. Um, and so it's not that I don't want to be there. It's, it's just too exhausting to stay on this platform for this long. I so. wonder too, I mean, I, maybe this is just me, but I feel those same things, but I also wonder sometimes for me, it's depressing to be on zoom because I feel so sad once I've, once I've like engaged with someone, like if it's a friend or a group of friends, it's like, 
really fun in the moment and still it's like fun and frustrating because it's not the way we normally would yeah. talk to each other. And so it's like both of that and it's then like depressing because it's, I don't know, it's, it's not what you actually want. Yeah. You know, it's like a glimmer of real relationship and it's just sometimes. So for me, again, for me, it's like, there've been other opportunities to hang out. Like my high school friends zoom every Tuesday night. And I'm like, I, I can't, I, yeah. I don't have an excuse, but it's like, that feels worse to engage in that than to actually like, yeah, not to miss out. I'm like, Ugh, it's yeah. just, sometimes it's like that false sense of engagement feels worse yeah. than actually connecting, which is weird. Yeah. yeah. I'm also like a really active person. So it's been really hard to just sit down all day. Um, and, um, again, with teenagers, they, they got to move constantly. Um, even the ones that don't really like sports, they still, I mean, their bodies want to move. You got to zoom. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) what? You got to zoom. I don't know. Oh, I don't (laughs) Too many zoom jokes. (laughs) Yeah. Way too many. Um, yeah. I'll also say this, Susan, um, you're all, you're, you're way more of a feeler than I am. So, um, that's true. You, you definitely, um, probably feel that on a different level than I do again, guys versus girls, but also Susan versus the world, um, is a different <laughs> experience. And yeah, so I, um, I've, I've had really encouraging, uh, moments on zoom, but I will say the best, the most encouraging stuff has been what I've been hearing about physical presence. But, um, this third piece, um, I've had incredible phone calls and text conversations. Um, so I don't know if you've, we've been trying to make as a little more phone call, definitely more phone calls than we normally do with students. Um, it's been kind of a a habit that has kind of gone away, uh, just because texting Mm -hmm. is so much easier. Social media is so much easier. Um, but it's a way to hear somebody's live voice and know like somebody's out there like oh like you're you still exist in the real life Um, which is again why we do this live podcast you can hear us in the moment I'm literally sitting in the garage Um, Susan's literally sitting in is that your basement yeah 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 yeah, she's we're here we're live Um, this is none of this is recorded you could probably tell that by now but (laughs) um, so but the phone calls that we've been having is the what I'm getting is a lot of eagerness in students like I'm like hey can I call you tomorrow um, and they're like super pumped about it, which I've never had that experience before. Um, a text conversation, sure, but like a phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've had uh, a lot of phone calls, Susan, but uh, what has your experience been on that on that level of communication? Um, I have had zero phone calls, so mine have been all text messages. <laughs> yes, that's because you're always texting. Um, I'm a terrible <laughs> text. Mes- like I don't text at all. Like I'm a really bad texter. And right now I'm living with yes. a sweet, sweet six-year-old who yeah. never stops talking. Yes, six-year-old. And an infant um, who is probably... And a newborn. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? You're not that busy and it's not that loud in your house. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a little hard to make a phone call right now, but that actually is really interesting to me, yeah. though, that people have responded to you because I don't know how y'all are who are listening or how John feels about that. But when someone calls me, I'm always like, Oh, why don't they just text me? (laughs) Yeah. I, I have to build up enough like courage to make a phone call. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Like we're so out of practice with it. Yeah. So I like, I've gotten in this rhythm, like, okay, I'm going to take, um, (laughs) thank you. Uh, mental note. Don't call Susan. Uh, we just got that (laughs) notification. (laughs) <laughs> so uh yeah so everybody not knows. for just so everyone knows that's not for everybody yeah. it just depends yeah just a select <laughs> few um but i will say like yeah i gotta build up the courage to make a phone call and i can only imagine somebody like a teenager who is just constantly thinking about their image and thinking what they're putting off um mm. but there's been a lot of excitement and just easygoing conversations via phone mm. call that i'm very surprised at i'm like I want to kind of like keep part of this up. This has been a lot Mm. easier. It's been nice because I've been able to like pray with the students and um, to do that in a live way um, outside of Zoom meetings and that type of stuff. Um, And I'm just really baffled at that. Um, And I think part of that is that there 
there isn't been what's been refreshing about that is there's been nothing new about it. We've had phone calls and we've had text messages before all this. And so my assumption is that because there's no nonverbals on the phone or text um, or if um, it's just a little bit easier for the students to engage in and they're already they've already been rehearsing how to do phone calls and text messages most of their life. Um, mm. I will say this as a side note. There is a lot of difficulty um, in digital silence versus um, in-person silence. Um, <laughs> so, like, if you're, having, if, if you're having a phone call um, or even a text message and there's just, like, nothing, like, you know, you're not hearing anything, that can kill the conversation um, because you can't keep the conversation going with nonverbal cues. Um, so that's been, like, kind of a, a learning curve um, in and of itself but it's not something that's new to us as people or teenagers. They've had to do phone calls before. So I think that's why they're a little more comfortable with the phone calls or the text over the Zoom meetings because we've had phone calls before all this. I mean, we've had Zoom, but nobody really used it um, for, I mean, nobody at our level has used it. Um, I guess mm -hmm. big corporations and that type of stuff have used it. But radio silence kills the conversation. But in-person silence um, is a, a way to... Um, communicate in a way that you wouldn't verbally. So um, mm -hmm. that's, it kind of circles back to the physical presence you have with them now, parents. Um, you're able to have more nonverbal conversations with your children than you have in the past. So they're getting to know your communication style on a deeper level, and they are able to understand you um, more across the board. So you're probably having um, more comprehensible like the, your teenager is probably comprehending you more than they ever have in their life because they're, they're seeing more of your types of communication. So again, there, I'm extremely encouraged by that level of, of communication that I've seen um, and interactions that I've seen with students. And I'm very um, amazed by like the politeness that I'm, I'm I mean, they're <laughs> not like picking up, like, yo, what up? Um, they're not being rude or anything like that. I wasn't expecting that, but um, everybody I've talked to on the phone has been incredible communicators, which is, like, really encouraging for, like, a 15-year-old to be able to communicate in that way. So um, mm. I don't know if you guys encourage that at home, but I'm glad that your kids are putting that off. So, all right, Susan, that's that's section one. That was our big whopping, like, um, big piece of our three main interactions we've had with students. Again, I want to open up to any of our callers or anybody that wants to call in. Any thoughts, um, questions, um, ways that you want to interact? Again, you can call in at any time um, and click the button. I don't know where it is, but um, hopefully you can find it if you do want to call in. So, um, But our second section is what can we learn from teenagers during this time? And I think this was the most fun f thing for me to think about mm -hmm. and to research and to really process um, as I sit with students via Zoom or phone call or text message, like, what can I, like, get from them during this time and, like, follow them and let them lead me? Um, mm -hmm. And I came up with three main things. Um, Susan, I don't know if you have anything to add. I, I, I sent you the notes uh, ahead of time of what I wrote down, but I don't know if you have anything to add. But um, I thought of three things, that they are less able to use a filter, and I think that's actually a good thing in this time. Um, they're extremely resilient and adaptable, um, and they're able to stay connected on a level that um, we're not able to just because of the generation that they're in. So they're less able to use a filter. And I think um, when I say that, Susan, what, what pops out in your mind? <laughs> Snapchat. I'm Snapchat? sorry. Snapchat. Like Snapchat. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that filter. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I thought about. At first, when I was <laughs> when I was reading your notes, I was like, "But this, I mean, the mask that you can wear to be whatever you want to be at that time." Yeah, um, you know. Yeah. So when I wrote that, I'm I'm thinking in the sense of like when they speak, um, yeah. a teenager will be more raw in their communication. Um, <laughs> if they don't like something, they'll let you know like immediately, um, yes. and sometimes harshly. <laughs> and you kind of have to, you're thrown aback by that at first. And then you realize, oh, that was actually helpful insight on how I should adjust um, X, Y, or Z. So we, I mean, working in youth ministry, we, we have this platform where we get to test a lot of 
um, games and conversations, like, is this helpful? Is this not? We usually don't have to ask for feedback. The students will give it to us before we even ask. Yes. I don't, so uh, true. I don't like this game. Uh, this game isn't <laughs> any good. Well, you've been playing it for three hours and you've been really into it. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you actually hate, do you hate so it because true. you're not good at it or like, how does that, how does that actually work? Um, so I, but I really, I, when I'm processing all this, I think mm. the fact that they don't have a filter means you're having a lot of new experiences with your teenager um, in this moment, most likely. They might be small moments, but there's a lot of them. And uh, it's a great opportunity for you to understand how they communicate their feedback is that they're not going to put that filter over their mouth. They may open up. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this in kind of like a normal home. They're going to just open up and kind of say what they're feeling. Um, whether that's in their nonverbal, so you're learning their nonverbal cues of how they communicate as much as they're learning yours. Uh, but they are also just going to say, like, I don't like the way that you said that to me. Um, and I think that's a huge gift and an opportunity. It's, it might be in a rude way, and that definitely needs to be corrected. But I think if when they say something like that, it's a, an opportunity for you to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation and talk like, why do you feel that way? And you could probably get to deeper conversations because there's no um, escape from it. Um, again, with this physical presence, it's a great opportunity to take their filterless mouths and to get to the root of the issue that's going on. And a lot of times, a teenager, they just don't know how to properly communicate it. Um, and so it's an opportunity to, to teach them in those ways. So... I think it's been a good thing. It's definitely an adjustment process to hear a lot of filterless feedback from teenagers. And I'm mm -hmm. sure you parents are, might be overwhelmed by that. Uh, the fact that they're just, you know, giving open commentary or open criticism over um, the way you do something or um, maybe the cooking that night. I don't know. Um, most of, like, I feel like we have a lot of like awesome families and um, a really polite um, kids, um, but, you know, when you're in quarantine, I'm sure a lot more can come out than you would normally. So you might be experiencing those and a lot of rudeness, um, but it definitely opens the door for, for good conversations. So when the filter comes off, the conversation can go deeper. That's how I'll summarize that. Um, mm -hmm. The second thing, and this is where I really have spent my entire life um, that I've done youth ministry really allowing students to lead me, and that's in their resilience and adaptability. Um, teenagers, um, I could have a million stories, but, um, teenagers can endure a lot. They take a lot on, like, this is the most stressful, probably the most stressful time in their life because they're connecting like in the brain, but also connecting emotionally and physically and all these things in their life all at once. So they're starting to have dating relationships. They're starting to take on sports and, extracurriculars, they're starting to get really in-depth with school, and they're having to process that all at once, um, and they do it, and, the, and it's been done for mm. generations. Um, this is the time of life when all of that is kind of dumped on you, um, and the fact that this whole piece of life, this pandemic, um, is happening I've been making note and like, how are the teenagers responding to it um, mm -hmm. largely? And what, what have you seen, Susan? I was thinking, it, I mean, on the same plane as resilience of just some of this is interesting to me because I am such an overthinker that like on our weekly Zoom calls, we always do like a check-in of like, all right, how are you doing? And um, I've been so encouraged by everyone being in a good place. Um, and sometimes enjoying it sometimes like, yeah, it's fine. Um, but the ability to, I don't know what you would call it, roll with the punches or <laughs> like yeah. just not dwell on, I'm so, fo so for me in the middle of quarantine, I'm like, when is this going to end? Like if I knew the date, I could probably rally a little better, but I'm having a hard time getting over that mental hurdle because it actually like affects me daily to be like, how much longer is this? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I think for them, the more when we interact, 
I'm actually really encouraged, but they're just able to sit in it and either enjoy it or not worry about it. It's like either it's like, yeah, I'm just, yeah. you know, I'm resting and yeah. getting more sleep than normal. And yeah, it's not a big deal. And yeah. I've, re- <laughs> I, I think I already told John all this, but I was like super discouraged a couple of D groups ago. And I was like, yeah, this hasn't been the best week for me. How are you guys doing? And they were all doing so well that it like really encouraged me and changed my whole mood because they haven't sat around and just had a pity party or dwelled on it or overthought it basically. So yeah, I think that's probably under the resilience category, but it's just been really encouraging that they are not, I, I, to this day, I still haven't had a conversation of anybody like in a downward spiral, which is really, really encouraging. Yeah. And I think an age thing, cause I am having this conversation. So that there are people of like, this is so hard. Yeah. And I, ha- I have been surprised. I haven't had that conversation yeah. with any teenagers yet, which has been really cool. Yeah. So we got a comment that says once they heard school was canceled for the rest of the year, it helped them settle in and adjust. And I think that's, um, yeah, I could definitely see a shift there uh, when that happened. Yes. I, I felt that shift as well. I'd be like, okay, we can finally relax um, and just settle into whatever this new normal is for however long it's going to be. Like, I think right. living in limbo is really tough, but knowing that, okay, at least that piece is kind of set aside. Um, right. I can kind of move on. Uh, I think I have like this v- like visual image of, like whenever like we go to the hilltop for, with the high schoolers and we always play pickup football, pickup tackle football. And a lot of the guys want to play tackle and I'm getting a little bit older and a little bit older and I want to play <laughs> less and less tackle football. Uh, but the, the reason is, is like I watch those guys take a tackle with no pads on um, and they just hit the ground and pop back up like nothing happened. And if I get hit, I'm like, all right, I'm out for the next like, 12 downs um it it, (laughs) it's like kind of that's that's how like a teenager's brain is kind of working in this moment is Mm -hmm. it's extremely moldable and can be changed very quickly and very rapidly and they work on the extremes in life um, but they adjust on a dime and I think that is an awesome opportunity with with proper parameters um for for us as um, adults to really learn and watch teenagers, but allow them to lead us like, hey, what are you doing in this moment? And that will actually empower them to to take on a little bit more um, maturity, but also leadership in their life to say like, oh, somebody's actually asking me, somebody older than me is actually asking me, what, what how am I handling this? Um, and I think it's really cool to see them navigate that. The conversations that I've had, yeah, the, the students are extremely, um, they're like, oh, yeah, there are some hard moments, but you know, getting through it. I'm finding my things. I'm, I'm, I'm getting into routine. I'm doing all these things. Um, and I've, I've found myself settling in routine because I've listened to our students talk about how mm-hmm. they're adjusting to it. And I think that's really mm-hmm. cool. And I think I need to voice that to them um, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I think that'd be yeah. yeah a good way to encourage them. So maybe um, you as a parent can think the same way. Like how how can I encourage my teenager and how they're leading you in this time? Because um, more likely than not, they are, which is really, really cool. Um, thirdly, and this one I think is really, really easy to think about, is they're able to uh, stay connected. Um, and that's because they're the first generation to be immersed in this type of connectivity. This isn't new to them. Uh, being out, Having to communicate completely digitally is super easy for them. And again, they, c- they can lead us in that type of communication. My hope is that we don't stay like this forever and um, we don't have to do this forever, <laughs> but it is an opportunity in this time to learn from them. Allow, they've had to teach me, they call me boomer, which they don't understand the generations. Like, <laughs> I'm not a boomer. I just, I'm not at your level. But even me, who I've, I would say I'm a fairly tech savvy adult, like fairly. Um, and they're just like, just running with it like they're teaching me left and right how to do this how to do that and I'm like whoa I'm so confused I'll spend like an hour on Xbox Live just trying to get the headset to work and it you know the the night is lost because I don't know how to talk into Xbox Live but <laughs> they'll, they'll walk me through it and they're super patient with me the whole time they're like you got to do this and that boomer um and <laughs> but they can definitely teach us that um and I would say um how are they staying connected and then push back like 
this may actually lead into issues in the sense of like they may find it too easy to physically connect and we don't want to lose that connectivity. And so we need to push back on that level of saying like, I know this is really easy and really um, um, good in this time, but there will come a time where this is not the, the, the way we will communicate going forward or like mm -hmm. the only way we'll communicate going forward. And so we actually need to prepare students to say like, we need to get back into good physical presence with people and physical communication. And I think, I'm seeing a sense of exhaustion of not our students not being able to do that. Um, but I think we're only just now getting there. Um, a lot of students are voicing like, I'm actually, I really like this because I can choose not to pick up the phone. I can choose to not join a Zoom call. I can choose, but you can't avoid somebody like who's physically in front of you without really stating that you're avoiding that person. Um, <laughs> right. So we need to, to prepare for that, which is why we have this third piece of preparing for re-entry with teenagers. What do we mm -hmm. need to do and what can we do now and what, what will we need to do when we do get back into normal life? I think there's going to be a huge learning curve or re-learning mm -hmm. curve of getting back um, in two ways, getting back to normal, but also taking the good things of this time and putting those in in um, the new normal or, or the future normal, whatever that will be. Because I think there's a lot of things we're getting from this um, with uh, teenagers that I think we should take with us. I think mm -hmm. there are really positive moments. And uh, if we go back to the beginning of the conversation is um, we're hearing students voice um, more and more positive experiences they're having in their home and in the presence of their parents um, and we think that is largely due just because of um, the, uh, the allotted and the amount of time they spend with you. They don't, your teenagers love you guys as parents, um, whether they can voice it or not. They're, they're just now able to see how cool you are. Um, they get to mm -hmm. see you how we see you um, for the first time ever. Uh, teenager generation has been able to do that, at least in the digital age, which I think is really, really cool. Um, mm -hmm. But as we move forward, um, this is a great time to reestablish priorities. So if we're thinking about reentry, um, so as we have our commitments that we've had them in the past, um, which commitments do we want to keep going forward? So someone may come out of this, like a teenager or you all as a family, be like, I really did not like having this in my schedule every week. Um, and it got removed for a while because of the quarantine. We could keep that out um, if we prioritize um, and if we put things in the right place. What should we give priority to is kind of the question, and how can you establish or reestablish um, the gospel as the main priority for your family? And this is a great time for you all to think about that. What do I need um, to, um, to do for our family to make sure that I um, am leading my teenager and advocating for my teenager, the gospel, and their life. Um, and that may mean um, a less busy schedule. That may mean more face time with you as the parent. That may mean, um, and just one of the things, may mean more time at youth group or less time um, at youth group and having that time with parents because you want to be that role for them. Um, we're not here to be the only way that they feed that but establishing mm -hmm. um, what does that mean for your family to put that as the main priority um, this is a great time to brainstorm and to experiment you'll get that raw feedback from your teenager in this time again a great thing um, for this but then as you get back into to the new new normal future um, you can put those priorities in place so how are we using this time to examine the essentials um, for us, we're doing this as a ministry as well. We're examining what is actually most beneficial for us, um, not just in this time, but like what can we take from this time and apply it um, to future ministry calendars and schedules and that type of stuff. Um, and then lastly, I call this the tale of two teens. This is my own prediction, <laughs> um, and I'm going to throw it out there. They're either A, um, they're going to be craving physical connection, and they're going to, you know, do whatever they want and just find physical connection in whatever way they can. I will put that with our extroverts most likely, and they're just trying to, um, you know, make up for lost time. 
Um, I think there's going to be a category of students where that's true. Um, mm-hmm. And for some of our families the, and some of our students, it may actually be good and an, a good opportunity for your child to explore that world. Obviously, there's parameters that need, need to be set on that. When I say physical connection um, and you're 16 years old, you're probably thinking on one level of physical connection physical connection um, that a teenager would think and then there's what we're talking about which is just like a relationship of being in the same room as somebody else Um, so my guess is that a set of teens or part of the teenager is going to want that so much so that they're willing to do whatever they want to get it back I'm already seeing Mm -hmm. that Um, teenagers are um, kind of you know disregarding um stay-at-home orders just because they're just done with it and they don't care. They want the physical connection at all costs. If you look at Instagram, it's all over the place. It's like, wait a minute, how did that party happen? <laughs> you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, and then there are, there's the other category, which is the people that will be slow to connect. Where um, So teenagers live on the extremes, and if you didn't know that, um, they will... Um, they might do both of these things or they might do one really well and one really poorly. It, it may be day-to-day, but they'll be extremely slow to connect in the sense that they will um, not want to get out. They, they've gotten used to this lifestyle. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that parts of that um, will be, parts of it will be good that they've gotten used to this lifestyle, wanting to be home, wanting to be present with mom and dad. Um, I think that piece is good, but we may have to push them back out the door again. Those students that really already had social anxiety are going to feel it to the nth degree of re-entering the social realm of high school and middle school. Um, it's going to be on a high level. Again, this is my own theory and my own thoughts, um, but that's my speculation based off of like the amount of time I've spent with teenagers and what I'm experiencing with them through this time. But um, Susan, what do you think as, as you sit with that? I, I mean, sometimes it's, this is embarrassing because we are live, but I think sometimes I really appreciate what you're saying because I, I think about it for my own family and my, myself, but I, I just appreciate you calling us to be more intentional with our time. Like, I think that's been my biggest thing during this whole experience is I don't want to waste this because the Lord has ordained this time for us. Um, you know, uh, it's weird and hard to process in the midst of it, but I know looking back, it's, I'm praying that we will all look back and have some fondness of this time. But I think you're right. I do want to re-enter into my work, into my life, in a way that's more intentional. And I really, that I was just thinking like, I really appreciate you naming that because I think it's so easy in normal life and in quarantine life to just like keep putting one foot ahead of the other. And there's a lot to learn right now. And it, there really is a ton to learn from our students and your, your own children. Um, and I appreciate that. So that's what I was actually thinking, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I have anything to add to your wisdom, but I just appreciate, um, you know, making sure that that we do think a little more intentionally about what the Lord has given us in these strange months. Yeah. 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 I think sitting, sitting really well in this time and just taking it for what it is, but we do need to have some sense of preparedness um, of re-entering. I think just flipping the switch will be a mistake um, across the board, which is why I don't think we'll just Mm -hmm. go from lockdown to everything's back to normal. I think it's going to be in stages. I think we need to do that with, uh, teenagers and events and that type of stuff and uh, that we need to kind of set them up of taking on one piece at a time and not just dumping life back onto them because the the teenage brain it's really hard to compute all that they are resilient and adaptable but that can also be damaging um, if you think about uh, I think it was our most previous episode when we talk about stressors if you put too much mm-hmm. stress on the teenage brain they're just going to shut down and anxiety and um, depression is more likely to happen. Um, so we want to be careful of that, and we don't want to put that on them if we don't have to. Um, and I, I'll, I'll close with this. We're, we're over time, um, but I, I wrote down, much can be learned from this um, This time. Busyness does not equate to fruitfulness. 
Um, I've definitely seen that true. Amen. <laughs> good, good work, no matter how much there is, is what leads to good fruit. And we all know that that begins with a proper relationship with Jesus. So we can still establish that with our teenagers. We can still work and foster and advocate for the gospel in the lives of these teenagers. We don't have to wait to get back to normal life. That there is an awesome fruit that we're seeing in this time. And we're deeply, deeply encouraged by y'all's families and y'all's parenting. Um, but we're deeply encu encouraged to hear that the students are reconnecting with you guys. So we want to thank you for taking the time to be with us during uh, this live podcast and that we know that time is precious and we know that it feels endless in this time, but yet it is still really hard to get online and take an hour to, to do anything. So we are so thankful that y'all have taken this time to be with Absolutely. us. We miss y'all, um, a lot. So, and we're off. That was our live podcast. We love y'all. We'll talk to you later. See you later.